Hello, and welcome to Appleton Engaged. I'm your host, Timber Smith, DEI coordinator for the city of Appleton. And I'm Andy Anam, the communications manager for the city of Appleton. Appleton Engaged is a podcast that explores the many people, organizations, and resources that make our community a great place to live, work, and play. So whether you're a longtime resident or just getting to know Appleton, join us as we learn more about our community together. I'm so much excited for today's guest. So can you introduce her, her to us? Oh, we're jumping right in, huh? Yes. Absolutely. I cannot wait. All right. I'm with it. This week's guest is Lisa Cruz, the executive director of the Multicultural Coalition and president and owner of Red Shoes, Inc. How Pleas- you doing? Pleasure to be here today. Hey, we're glad that you are here. Lisa, can you please share a little something about yourself and your association with Appleton and the Fox Cities region? How long do we have? You said 30 minutes? No uh, more than 30 minutes? Hey, look, <laughs> it, look, if the story is good, you got to tell the story. Yeah, so I'll try to condense it. Just so you know, I'm originally from Stevens Point, so grew up in Wisconsin my whole life. Met my future husband on a beach in Mexico, of all places, and he was in the military at the time, and we decided to live out in Southern California for a while once I was done with school, so we lived out there. I should also mention that my husband is Filipino, so my last name tends to throw people off, but we have four beautiful boys today, and we moved back to Wisconsin when we only had two boys. Four boys? Four boys. Mm. I know people just are like, what? You're yeah. a saint. And I would agree. <laughs> uh, but, but so we have four boys. And when we moved back to Wisconsin, it was really a choice. We could have gone anywhere we wanted to. But I always remember growing up in Stevens Point that Appleton was the place to go to for shopping, entertainment, like going out, like the whole thing. That that road trip back and forth always made an impression in me. So when my husband decided to interview in, in places within Wisconsin, and we just remember, we just remember driving up 41 North, the lights were coming on in this area, and we just felt it. We felt this place was right. And we had such a warm welcome when we came to this area from his future employer. Like, And I will also tell you that this was really big for us, is he had been interviewing in other towns in the state, and when we walked into a restaurant to, you know, with our, my husband, who is brown, and our children, and the whole restaurant stopped what they were doing and stared at us as we walked in, we're like, okay, this place is not for us. So that feeling of belonging, that feeling welcome in a community as a family, an interracial family of color, was really, really huge for us. So we decided on Appleton, and we really never looked back. Mm, I, I could see that. Yeah. And and today, you know, I, I look at everything we've done here as a family. Our um, boys are, I still have a son in sixth grade. Our boys going through the Appleton Area School District. And then, you know, I've built a business here, a small business, woman-owned business, um, Red Shoes. And then today, Executive Director of the Multicultural Coalition. Like, it's an amazing community. And I've been exposed to outside this community what takes place. And I've heard so many stories and we're really like at the end of the day, we all have our challenges, but man, we have a lot going on for us too. 
think we got a lot of positive things going on. But we do. It is a, it is a workout regimen. It is not a marathon because there is no end. We'll always be correct working towards a better community. Correct. That never ends. So you have been to so many places and you have a bigger lens of the things going around. So why don't you tell us and uh, walk us through what you do as a in multicultural coalition and also about your business? We would love to hear everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Again, we only have 30 minutes or less. The clock is on. <laughs> but the multicultural coalition, uh, the best way to say it is it was born out of the pandemic. And what we often say is out of chaos comes opportunity. So there's, there's really multiple facets to how the Multicultural coalition, coalition came to be, but it was about how can we do better in our community to reach those who need the information, to make decisions, the healthcare resources, the other uh, wonderful community of nonprofits that we have. Um, and if you look around at who was really greatly impacted by the pandemic, it was our communities of color they were hardest hit. And I've heard so many stories and I've had so many heart-wrenching conversations with people, individuals from our community about how the pandemic impacted them. So the coalition is really at its heart, a community-based organization. And one of our points of difference, we're very intentional how this came to be, is that we're building trust. Yes, you you got to start there. It, if, and that if, is the that is the cornerstone, right? If there is no trust, there's there, nothing. There's nothing getting built. So I'll, I'll tell you personally, for me, and it continues to the, to, to this day, and that's okay. Um, it's part of the journey. Is who is this white woman? What does she want from me? And how is she going to mislead me? You know, I I got a lot of challenges, and that's okay because we're looking at historically what have we done to our communities of color. And at the end of the day, through the pandemic, personally, you know, I was hearing from my sons about Asian hate crimes. And mm -hmm. at first, you know, I was like, okay, okay, you know, running around doing my business sort of thing. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh. So this is why my sons are concerned about being pulled over by the police. And, and not really understanding that, and I, I still have a hard time talking about this as a mother, Oh my gosh. And it it breaks my heart to think about I thought I was listening, but I'm really listening now to the concerns my kids have. And then also beginning to work more and more with our communities of color from with the Hmong population. You know, working with Casa Espana and working with pointers and people of progression like it just goes on and on and I I personally I was challenged and typically I think when in times of chaos we tend to look to our institution and others and say well what are you doing for me what are you doing and it got to the point that we're so, there was so much chaos that how how can we collectively do together and I want to be a part of this and I thought I either use this time during the pandemic to cut myself off and be you know a wall or I try to help do something. So Multicultural Coalition, rolling through our three counties, doing community outreach, offering accessible, barrier-free vaccinations, no IDs, your insurance, health insurance not needed. We're not going to enter your information in an electronic health record. Just show up. And then as we started to do community outreach, 
more and more needs started coming. People with needs in healthcare and transportation and food. And I was telling Timber, you know, that we had an event last night at a mobile home park and we heard directly that there is one child who relies solely on that food pantry and that mobile home park for food. Food is needed. So this is 2023. And I ask mm. each of you and our and who is listening to this, like, how can we make it better? How can we do better collectively, all of us? And multicultural is about just that. I often right. use the example we have our board members and the organizations who we work closely with. It's New Monk Professionals. It's Casa Espana. It's Pointers. It's People of Progression. It's Partnership Community Health Center. We've formulated this safety net, another safety net within our community. At any given time, we have people who come to us, any, any of these entry points, and say, we're about to experience homelessness. What are our resources? How can we come together and help buy some time for them? And I, I use the example, we hosted the Mexican consulate last fall. I don't even know. Maybe that was last fall. And the beauty of what we're doing at the coalition is we had the Mexican consulate in, but we had members of the Hmong community there. We had members of the Latino, Hispanic communities there. We had members of the black community there. That's really special. I can say that about most of the things mm -hmm. that the multicultural coalition is associated with. There's a little bit, of, there's, there's some of everyone. Yes. In all sorts of, uh, and not just, not just racial demographics, but socioeconomic uh, differences, ability differences. Like there's, there's a lot of different people that show up. There are. It's a variety, and, and it doesn't matter. Each of you is a beautiful human being. What are your needs and how? We, we really focus on that experience that people have. So people get caught up often in, in the parameters. What are your numbers? And every time somebody asks me that, I will say, it, it does, it's not about the numbers. It's about the experience and that belonging that each person comes, and how can we provide that to them? Now, having said that, I will tell you, the past couple of years, we vaccinated around 2,000 people. We have directly interacted with thousands of people. If I had to guess, it's probably at at least 10,000. Wow. And we just keep going, and we keep having our community outreach events. We keep working with our partners. And at the end of the day, how, how can we do better? I totally hear the very much need of collective action and lesser focus on the statistics of it. So when you go into outreach mode, like I'm sure it's getting wider and wider. So what's our mission and purpose? Like how you're expanding on that too? Yeah, the, the mission is keep identifying those barriers. And it's not about me. It's about the communities we serve. What are they telling us? What are those barriers and oh my gosh, once your eyes are open to the barriers, you're like, how are we ever getting anything done? So how can we identify those barriers and then find ways to overcome or like I like to say, blow through those barriers and then create systemic change? So there's the short term. Right. Short term needs are crucial and critical. The immediate need. And then how can we get to that systemic change? So, I, you know, for example, I will tell you right now, like, our air quality is not good. You can hear it in my voice today. So 
right away, we're pivoting with our N95s that we have in supply. And we're making sure that our communities of color have the information they need and the supplies they need. And in the same regard, I'm emailing the state and other local officials saying, where are we at? And I'm also trying to make inroads into the CDC. We need information. We don't only need the information. We need translated information. Totally. Yes. That's it's a huge need. barrier. Yes, it is. So I'm not just advocating for information. I'm advocating for the translated information that mm -hmm. we need that is so important. Everybody should have the information they need at their fingertips to make the right decision totally. for their families. Totally. Especially with something like this where you cannot control the fact that this error, what's happening with our air right now. That's it's and, and so bad. Right. And there just doesn't seem like there's been a lot said said about it to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, Timber. I'm on fire about this. No pun intended. <laughs> so I, I really am. I'm like, oh, my gosh, have we learned nothing through the pandemic? So I am going to be loud and vocal about it. Here we go again. And right after this, there's going to be something else. So actually, I was thinking last night, I was quite proud. And I had somebody from another public health department, she emailed me and said, there's no information. What are you doing? And I said, we already started. We already started. We handed out all of our information last night, handed out all the N95s, and people were just like, yep, not in their heads, like, that felt good that our our most marginalized populations are at the front of the line. That's incredible. That's yeah. totally incredible. Are there any signature events that you have annually um, for the <laughs> Multicultural Coalition, things that our listeners might want to be looking for in the future? I just kind of chuckle. Signature annual events. Oh, my gosh. If... Currently, we're probably doing about 30 to 40 events a year. Mm -hmm. And our our focus is the community outreach events. Right. So at any given point, we have uh, probably four a month. So right. it's probably one at least a week, if not more. And then we also partner with other organizations and their events. So there's no signature annual event yet. And that might take a few years yet timber to get to that point oh yeah well we're not rushing we're <laughs> yeah. just trying to inform yeah. our we're just trying no, to inform i appreciate our that no and if anybody is interested about where we're going to be we always have it listed on our website which is www.ourmci.org um, so we just keep a running list there and we're also pushing that information online but then when it comes to marketing our events we are in hand with flyers, knocking on doors. Translated flyers. Translated. <laughs> Actually, multiple languages. Yes, that was going to say. Yeah, yeah. So door-to-door um, -door canvassing, old-school marketing is not out. So do you also push out on social media? Like if listeners are looking for that information, can they go on your yes. Facebook page or Instagram handles? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if we're on Instagram. We're not on in Instagram. I... We're about 3.5 employees right now and and then work with our partners. So we're we're up to our eyeballs right now, but we are on Facebook. I can tell you that. And oh. we keep our website updated. So listeners, 
go to Facebook and check those out. What we will do is we will make sure that we will put all contact information in the podcast notes mm-hmm. so you can definitely find Please. the Multicultural Coalition, uh, which kind of leads us to our next question, which is, you know, is there any additional information that you feel is important for our listeners to know? Hmm. Complacency. Mm. And I know that's funny, but that's first what came to mind. And personally, I was I was at a place of complacency, you know, prior to the pandemic. I like, don't get me wrong, I work my butt off. I have a small business. I'm a woman. But there's a certain like, you know, you just kind of get lulled into, okay, my world is good. Things are flying along. And then I guess being in, in this work and entrenched in this work, I think about all the time we spend scrolling on Facebook. That's another thing, too. Like, we're doing things that are not making an impact. If you have five minutes, you have an hour of time to spare or to give to literally make a difference, do so. I think complacency is one of the biggest challenges we face because if we're comfortable, we're comfortable. And why do I want to be uncomfortable? And I encourage people that from and through that feeling and space of uncomfortableness comes amazing, personal, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, growth. So I just think complacency is one of our biggest challenges, and I encourage people to overcome that. Just take a small step. Absolutely. If you look beyond that, you find your calling. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Can you can you please share a narrative that you think will help our listeners understand the importance of the multicultural coalition? Is there? I know you have a. There's a story of impact there. Mm, boy, one. Well, give, you know, give give the listeners um, so they can better understand. I just think there's power in narratives. Absolutely, sharing a taste of your journey. Yes. Yeah. And I say uh, there's so many because literally I come off of last night's event, but I will talk about, well, the very first event that we did. We offered vaccination information clinic at Longchang Marketplace. This was the very first one focused on reaching our Hmong community. And we were all set up. This is the very first one. We did it with Ascension. They showed us how to remove the barriers. When we promoted the event, we made sure all the information was in Hmong, fully translated, had on-the-ground marketing, canvassing. And that day, we saw, I think it was a minimum, 115 people. And I always remember the last five minutes of that clinic. You know, when people are starting to like kind of pack up or thinking, okay, checking their watch. And there was a family literally carrying their elder in to be vaccinated. And in my head, I, I thought through all the barriers we had to remove to help support that. And that made a profound impact. When I think about the barriers to information, having Hmong inform, information in Hmong for that family to know that that was taking place, much less having it in a safe space where the families felt safe was huge. And we removed the barriers. People thought you needed to be checking IDs for vaccinations. They thought 
you needed to bring an insurance card. You didn't need to bring that. So it was just one barrier after another. That is very inspiring. I mean, I've removing those barriers is the biggest step towards you know, progress. Well, it's the, it is. it's the biggest step towards equity. Absolutely. Yes. Totally. Yes. Is there anything the community can do to be helpful? <laughs> I should have shared my email that I sent out to community members this morning. So, and I have to be careful with this because our community is so generous. I worry about a flood and I don't feel like we're at that space. I will tell you, uh, financial support is always greatly appreciated. I will tell you that in our work, so I think many people might not know, we're also working with more than 30 refugee families at any given time. So we have the Latino, Hispanic, the black communities, and the Hmong communities, and we, we are working with the refugees. So financial support is appreciated. Right now, one of my things is with the air quality that it is, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Everybody talks about the, the supply, the oversupply of N95s. Pivot, bring it back out. So I did ask for a couple more boxes of N95s. You know, like we need that on hand. We need food boxes on hand, like non-perishables. I, we're, we have a small supply of clothing that we're building up. And right now, the the kind of like when we go around in our cars, at any given time, you can check the back of my car. I have household items. I have pots and pans. I have clothing because as I'm mm -hmm. out and about, we never know where we're going to run into those needs. Right. I'll tell you the biggest need that we have and we have faced for the past four years now, we need a vehicle. We need a van that we can bring people, transport people if needed, and we need to transport all of our things. We've been using our personal cars for the past four years. A couple summers ago, I had a client that loaned us our box truck, and there are pictures of me driving a box truck throughout the community. Like, we just need a van. I don't care if it's used, whatever. We just need a, a vehicle because we're, like, a little stretched thin in that area. So, listeners, if you're listening... And I would really appreciate, Lisa, if you can put a wish list on the website where they can go and check it yes, out. Yes, thank you. So they need a van. And if one of the, our generous community member is thinking of that, you need to kind of contact them as soon as possible. Can't say it enough. And we all know that like, it's been harder and harder to find used cars and new totally. cars and everything. So. Oh, yeah. The, it's, it's tough out there right now. It is. All right. Who can people contact if they would like to learn more? You can contact me. It's lisa at ourmci.org. It may take me a little, a few days to respond, but feel free to contact me for any information. Or Volunteers are also another area that we're looking to expand. Mm -hmm. and, and I should mention, too, so there's a lot going on. But So we have our coalition that is the three counties. And then we also have coalition. What are those three counties? Calumet, Winnebago, Outagamie. Okay. Then we have deeper coalition building taking place in Oshkosh and the greater Oshkosh area, as well as Chilton in Calumet. So what I mean by that is now we've identified 
people with lived experience in each of those communities, and we're going to replicate what we did here at a larger level, but we're going to do it in a more micro level. So most recently, we were super excited. We have coalition building taking place out in Chilton, and our members of the committee are like, we want to be a part of the Father's Day parade out there. And we're like, okay, we're going to be a part of the Father's Day parade. And this is another story of the impact for us to be in that parade with the Multicultural Coalition um, banner on the side of a truck and handing out Mexican candy. And people were saying, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, you get the good candy this time. And somebody toward the end of the parade said, you're the first one to come over here and hand me candy. It oh. is good candy. <laughs> it is good candy. It's very good candy. But again, it's just an example of how can we do a better job of creating that sense of belonging, not just for certain people, but for everyone. That's a beautiful thing you said, sense of belonging, yes. And Appleton screams of that in a way. So, yeah, we are kind of lucky, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. We're working on it. We, we are. are we are, we are not perfect, but we are working on it. Yes. I, I recently, again, just part of kind of uh, welcoming some other community members to this area and hearing their stories of living in the larger cities, I was like, what? That takes place there? That happened to you? Like, this is crazy. We are so, so fortunate to be in Appleton, the surrounding communities, Everyone, every community is also unique in its characteristics. Yes. Just so lucky. So do you want to send out shout outs to members of your team? This is a place to do that. Oh, my gosh. If you have not encountered Gina Roberts yet, she is like amazing, works at the Multicultural Coalition. I truly think like it was God's work that she came into my life when she did I could not do it without her. She is phenomenal. Then we have Maria Mason, who is doing the community outreach deep into Calumet County and Chilton. She is phenomenal. Again, came into our our world at the right time. And I just, there's so many shout outs, but like Partnership Community Health Center, literally running alongside of us from the beginning. Wow. And part of that safety net it's just so symbiotic, and what's um, it's just what happens between all of us. Casa Espana, and I, I often say, and I've said this for years now, I am the luckiest girl in the world to work with Casa Espana, to work with new monk professionals, to work with pointers, community initiatives, to work with people at Progression. I mean, there's just like, like everything, all those people coming together. And there are way too many partners, community partners, that have showed up time and time again because I know that I would miss somebody and I would feel awful. They know who they are. They show up time and time again at our events. They are so committed to this community. So huge thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Real quick, we are a work in progress. Thank you for spending time with us and taking time to learn about the Multicultural Coalition. If you would like to be a guest, uh, if you would like to tell us how we can be a better podcast, please reach out to us at diversity at appleton.org. Once again, that is diversity at appleton.org. We also do offer uh, individuals the opportunity to nominate future guests. So if you have someone out in the community and organization that you think would be great 
to be on this podcast, please reach out to us and let us know. Also, listeners, please take the time to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. This will help us expand our listener base. Uh, We think we got something special going on here, something different being done by a local government and sharing these amazing resources that we happen to have in our region. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We hope you have been inspired and informed with Lisa's story. And until next time, stay curious, stay engaged, and keep making a positive impact in Appleton.